Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Is Castro still all right? Castro's, yeah, he's, I've just had to let him out. I think he knew I was speaking to, he started acting up. Did he? Yeah, showing yeah. off. Exactly. I'm like, don't you dare start barking. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll start with this. Just what is it that you want to do? Thank you for pressing play on this recommendation fest of premium festival music. Like being overcharged for artisanal sourdough and oat milk coffee, we hope you'll be happy indulging yourself as I, Sean Keaveney, eke out a cocktail of backstage stories, emotional life lessons, and frankly outrageously good tips for a dream festival lineup. So whether you're about to jump on your commute, delay your next Zoom call, or settle down for the evening, plug in, get comfy, and enjoy the set. How are you guys doing? My friends, welcome to the lineup. He's going, what the fuck's going on here? Where are you all going? <laughs> going to Bolton, mate. See you at the Magic Mushrooms. Yeah. I could start with a pun here, but I don't want to peak too soon. <laughs> Instead, let me tell you about today's guest. She's created some of the most memorable roles on British TV, running the gamut of comedy and drama, from an early breakout role with Victoria Wood in Dinner Ladies to V in Shameless, barrister Martha Costello in Silk, boy could she make a latte, and uh, having to evade terrifying robot dogs in an alternate Black Mirror universe. And then there's the films from Peterloo, Funny Cow, Room at the Top, not to mention her stage prowess, Blanche Dubois in Streetcar. I have always depended on the Kindness of strangers. Um, it's good, isn't it? Um, yeah. What about uh, Hamlet as well? To sleep, perchance to dream. I'm available, RSC. Tweet me. Uh, she's also a writer, a singer. She's one of Bolton's, well, West Orton really's <laughs> finest. It's Maxine Peak. <laughs> Thank you. Your introductions are always the best. <sighs> you, make, you make the person feel very good about themselves. I know, self-aggrandising. Which we all need, we all need. <laughs> well, you, need your, you need your pillars plumped at the beginning before we start taking you apart. <laughs> you know, that's that's my that's my, my method. But we're not, like we're not physically together. We're not physically together this week. You're at home in Salford and I'm, um, home in I'm at home in London. Or am I at home in London, Maxine? This is the big question. Even though I've been oh. here 20 years, am I truly at home? It's philosophical. Where is home, Sean, really? Where is it? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. My blood pressure does start to come down the further up the M. Well, actually, no, it goes up when I'm on the M6, but then conversely, yeah. it also starts to come down as I get towards Lee. So it's yeah. hard to say, but I, I, I do feel like London's my home, but... Yeah. A, a big part of my ventricles will always be in the northwest. So that's true. How's Castro, by the way, the dog? He's very he's 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 very good. I don't know where he's up to. He's he's mooching about. Okay. I think he's a bit upset. I think he's not speaking to you. He's been today. left he's out. Actually seeing seeing you after last embarrassing last time. Well it's in, he came to the house <laughs> and he was took a shy. In the interest of full disclosure, we did a podcast <laughs> together about four years ago and me and me and my old mate G Man came up to do it and Castro was just part of the mix, wasn't he? And he took a, gr- a particular shine to Graham. I thought Graham was going to end up taking him home. <laughs> no. It was a real loving. I bumped into Graham. That's all oh, we were on the job. And he, he said, how's Castro? I was like, everyone, yeah. He has that effect on people. <laughs> he he's, a, he's, he's over-friendly. He just, yeah. He's no boundaries. That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's why we get on. You know what I mean? I will just end up sitting at the bottom of people's beds licking their feet. You know, I'll do anything for a biscuit. You know, just like Castro. Um, that sounded wrong. Because um, you're, you're Salford, aren't you, right? Well, I live in Salford. You live in Salford. Yes. Obviously, you're not a Salfordian in the sense no, that you weren't born there. No, his accent is not. No, it's, I'm nearer you. Yeah, more Boltonian, West Ortonian. Yeah, Cowhead. Cowhead. But, As somebody put on Instagram the other day, I'm so sorry, there's a, there's a tanning shop in West Orton called West Tan. Oh, why is it taking so long? <laughs> why is it taking so long? And there's a Botox place in Farmworth called Botox because <laughs> Botox not just for girls. In Kersley, top of Kersley. In fact, top of the road where Diane Morgan used to, no. live, used to live. What is happening? You don't have to go to that there, London, for glamour. Not sitting, I could get me Botox at Botox. <laughs> um... 
Sorry. Do you notice a difference between the Salfordian and the Mancunian? Because there is some, there isn't a subtle difference, isn't there? I know that Southerners, not to tie you all with the same brush, the Southerners, but (laughs) you do tend to think that anything, it's that old joke, isn't it? Past the Watford Gap, they don't know it exists. It's like there be monsters. And uh, people still think I'm from Yorkshire. You know, they don't understand that. that. Do you you get that as well? Yeah, Lancashire, there's a lot, and they go with the Yorkshire. It's awful, but me and Pav have. Sometimes when we watch things on telly and we got all oh, they're doing the Lancumbria show <laughs> accent. <laughs> it's just all that up there. Yeah, it just just flatten your vowels. But do you notice a difference living as a sort of adopted Salfordian? The difference between a, a, a Salford person and a Mancunian is, or is it too subtle even for you? No, no, it's very different, and it's very different from a Boltonian to a Salfordian. Mm. Obviously, we're sort of semi-rural, so. But yeah, Manchester and Salford are very different. See, I always say Salford, to me, feels more akin to Liverpool. Now, maybe because it was on the docks, but I feel Salfordian's personality feels a little... I'd say more Liverpoolian than just Mancunian. I know know I'm going to sound like such a a, a patronising tosser now, but... I just love the Liverpudlian, you know. I, I, there's I, something I, about Liverpudlians. I know that they, they're always yeah. the funniest person in the room and all that, but they just, yeah. I don't know, they've got hearts of gold, those I'm kids. the same. It's so unique. Mm. When I was a teenager, I used to prefer going clubbing in Liverpool than I did in Manchester. Yeah. I think people just a bit more. Manchester can be a bit, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's quite pretentious sometimes. Yeah. All the clubbing scene was when I grew up, if you certain clubs you went to, you know, if you didn't, a bit cliquier, yeah. maybe, perhaps. Yeah, clique is probably the world. So I shouldn't be really. But I have to keep saying to people, I'm not a Mancunian. Yeah. I'm from Bolton and I live in Salford. Yeah, it's confusing. Proud Mancunian. I go, I, I go to Manchester to, to do my shopping. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. It's, it's not the same identification, is it? No, it's a different place. I mean, part of the reason I've, I've gone quite deep into, into <laughs> geographical territory is that one of the first jobs that you've got is to come up with a venue for your festival. Well, you see, because I was going, do I go really local? Talking of being pretentious, I'm going to go full pretentious. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to set it in Joshua Tree. Joshua Tree, California. Yeah. Have you ever been? I have. I went one Christmas because I've got some friends who live out there and they go there every Christmas and they kept sending me pictures and it, I used to get jealous every year. So I went, right. I said to Pav, come on, we're going. Oh my God, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. My wife's been, she, she taught, told me numerous times. She used to sort of live out there. I mean, obviously, I basically mostly knew it from the U2 album cover of 1987. But do you sort of do that, though? Do you sort of seek out the bit where they did those shoots or anything? Is it, is it all there or what? I'm not a U2 fan. <laughs> I didn't have I'm your dad as a U2 fan. No, so no, they're not, no, they're I not didn't. one of the five, are they not? That's interesting. No, no, not, nothing against them. Spoiler Lovely boys. But um, I remember when I went to New York, I did the Ghostbusters, everything from Ghostbusters. That's the most exciting I got in New York. I was going, oh my God, that's the yeah. steps from Ghostbusters. I did all well, that. I didn't do that. I mean, it, I love Josh. It plays havoc with me eczema because it's very dry. <laughs> <laughs> you can just go off grid. I mean, as a lot of people do out there. I love that idea. <laughs> you could literally yeah. disappear. And, and have to be very careful that you don't disappear. I mean, hiking was, oh, God, was quite nerve-wracking out there. I'm a little bit of a, of a wuss when it comes to things like that. You know, I, I get, I'm, I'm a bit like, my dad is a bit terrified of, sorry, I just keep getting... You're very popular. It's work offers. Isn't it? Bankers keep sending me emails, <laughs> and I can't. The thing is, I can't turn. I don't know how to turn the the, the sort of thing off now. <laughs> right, go on. Settings, system preferences. Yeah, sorry, Max. This is so embarrassing. No, don't. don't. I've got no, no. That's not right. No, it's not sound. Keyboard displays. No, fuck off. Where's the no- notifications? Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> we always leave our mistakes in, Max. Fuck's sake. <laughs> and so a sort of brief, I say a brief, lesson in how to turn off notifications ensued betwixt uh, Natalie and myself. You don't need the details, only that I thought I'd conquered it, but as you will hear later on this recording, I hadn't. Uh, anyway, back in the room. So we know we're going, to, we're going to do it in Joshua Tree. Yeah, I feel I should have done it in Pomona Docks, really. Shouldn't mm. I have done it in Pomona Docks? Well, you've still then? got a chance to change. Right? Let's stick it in Pomona Docks. Tell people what Pomona Docks is. <laughs> well, it's like an odd bit of wasteland down near Salford Keys. Um, actually, there was a somebody wrote, oh, there's a guy who wrote a brilliant play about it called Pomona, but it's, it's an odd 
sort of a bit of an odd... I should really know my history. There was something on there. Was there a fairground or okay. something back in the day? Oh, right. But now... And there's the rumour that there's these series of tunnels and it's a bit mysterious. Mm. Yeah, I've got to think of my carbon footprint, haven't I? So I can't have it in Joshua Tree. Yeah, what was right. I thinking? Do it in Let's Pomona do Pomona Docks. Docks. We'll do it there because everybody can get on the tram then. Good access. And, and it's not as dusty and you won't get eaten by coyotes. Uh, no, I, no. I think the last coyote death in Pomona Docks was 1911 or something. So <laughs> I, think we've, I think we're safe on that. Um, and, and also we've got to name the festival. I've got suggestions for you. To, oh, yeah. to buy you some time. It's a blinder, isn't it? When you, oh, that was a blinder, that set. Peaky blinders. Could be. Or, oh, poor fest. Po- <laughs> oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, if we're doing it in Pomona Docks. <laughs> po faced. Like po faced. Yeah. That's good. Po fest, po faced. Meaning yeah. like a face like a slapped ass. Oh, the one looks like a face to be set on fire, put out by a shovel. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> I love Horrible these. Horrible things. I love these. But, he, yeah. He's got a face like a bulldog licking piss off a thistle. <laughs> That's a good one. He's got a face like a bulldog chewing a wasp. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. I like Poe Fest. Poe Fest. I was, I, 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 I'd also written down To The Max. But I think that, that sounds yeah. a bit like a sort of EDM festival or something. So we'll leave that. Oh, um, Max Poe, like Xbox. No, let's leave Poe. Yeah, Poe po, po Fest. Poe Fest. All right. Check one. Testing. Is everybody ready yet? We good? Let the day begin. Well, well, on we go to the dawn (laughs) chorus. So this festival, Poe Fest, fuck off. Just, I, I like it. it. Makes it real. I'm just jealous because the only reason mine's not doing that is because someone's getting in touch with me. Where's my fucking agent? <laughs> Where, I should be working right now. Um, I've got uh, an old school legend. They use the phone. It's brilliant. They ring me because they know I'll never read me email. I've lose them. I should. I should instruct people to ring me because I just. Yeah, I, I can't read to the end of an email. I'm terrible. Ask Natalie. Well, do you remember we had that conversation about that thing where you go, will you come and talk? And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that, thinking it's just down the road. And then... Oh, that was this... awful. <laughs> I've done that so many times. I go, sorry, it's what? Belgium? <laughs> it's in fucking Ipswich. And I'm supposed to be there in an hour. Oh, I thought it was in Soho. I'm sorry, I can't come. I've done that at least three times. Yeah. Um. So anyway, sorry. we'll ignore sorry. the pings. It's now, it's the early morning. It's early summer. Right, yeah. Uh, beautiful glistening dew on the grass, on the meadows. <laughs> uh, the sun is just crowning over the Sulfordian skyline. Uh, all's well with the world, right? What are we going to have for breakfast? Oh, you know, crumpets. Knew you were going to say crumpets. I've yeah. done my research. I'm such a stereotype. Do you have crumpets it? Crumpets are pasties. We'll save the pasties for <laughs> lunch, won't we? Yeah, pasty balm at lunch, but we'll come back to that. What do you call it? Because we used to call it a slurpee. A slurpee? Uh, when you have a pie and a barn cake. Uh, or oh, whatever you might call it, a bread roll, and where you come from, yeah. you know, we'd, you'd have a bread roll split with butter, and then you put a pie in the middle of it and eat it. It would be called a slurpee. Oh, didn't we? Just used to go to at school, Jolly Bakers, it were called on the corner. I mean, we weren't supposed to go out at lunch, but we'd all go out and get a pasty barn. That's exactly what we did. Weren't allowed to go out, went to the top shop, get a meat and potato Dawson's pie and a quarter of strawberry bonbons, and then try and get back without oh. Mr. Gibbon finding us. Is it strawberry bonbons? It's oh, surprising I'm still alive. Them. <laughs> Them and lemon, but I didn't really like that. I mean, I'd eat anything. Yeah. But I did particularly like the strawberry ones when then they stick in you. Yeah, very, very chewy. I mean, yeah. I didn't have any fillings at the time, but funnily enough, I did shortly afterwards. <laughs> so so that's that's great. So crumpets are easy. It's a nice, it's a hot carb. Just butter. Well, you see, we can cater for everybody. We can have, and I think because I've, you know, I've changed now. I've um <laughs> I'm working. I'd have sourdough crumpets, like proper mm. ones, like, you know. Butter, I love, I do like a bit of halloumi. halloumi never had it Never had it on a crumpet. Oh, I have a bit of halloumi with a bit of chutney on a mm. crumpet. Lovely. Mm. You don't need any butter. Well, I mean, you can always, there's always need for butter. <laughs> but, um, you know, sometimes I'll have a meal, which is a savoury crumpet, then <laughs> sweet topping for me afters. Yeah. You've, that's great, isn't it? It's almost like being an astronaut. You could, every meal could be a crumpet in a sense. Yeah. It's very versatile. 
it's like this for me when pubs are where. Yeah, I'll probably get I'm probably gonna get rickets or something. Well, probably. we've gone we've come this far. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so crumpets with you know, obviously vegan, it's a festival, so we'll have to have I mean I'm vegetarian. Right. Um I've I've got the commitment for vegan, I wish I yeah. did. But you know, I all can have I mean salmon's nice if people salmon. have a bit of salmon. Ooh, very nice. Or hummus for the vegans. Oh god. I mean, so we got we got a crumpet stall going, and 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 we got to think about the music. I mean, what was the first live musical experience when you were a younger person? My first, apart from going to wicked men's clubs. Well, I would say <laughs> I would include that actually. I would say what was the first time you saw anybody perform live? You know, at a WMC. Would at a, yeah, it would have been with me dad. But my first gig ever was I was fifteen. It was the Royal Court at Liverpool and it was in spiral carpets. Did you? Me and my mate Cheryl Kellett. And mum and dad dropped us off. We went to X Records in Bolton, bought our tickets. I mean, I used to get to all sorts, but because Cheryl's mum and dad were teachers, my mum used to think that they were obviously <laughs> respectable and we were behaving ourselves. So they dropped us off in Liverpool. That was my first gig. I love the fact that you're mentioning X Records. I was going to come sl- slowly... Further down the line onto X Records, but you've you've brought it up. Sorry, it's a it's a great record shop in Bolton. Yeah. Did you have many a formative experience with uh, with, with X Records buying? Yeah, the first buying it records. But I think it was gigs because you'd go in, wouldn't you? And they'd have a list on the wall. I remember my first festival was actually with Cheryl that same year. Then we went to Glastonbury. You know, we were just fifteen. <laughs> yeah, we well because I 16. was July, so I was still fifteen. You would have I just have been fifteen, wouldn't you? Yeah. Would it have been 89? Yeah, because it, it was it was a damsky. We only went because the Happy Mondays were playing. I didn't have an idea what Glastonbury was. Didn't really know. No. I just knew that the Happy Mondays were playing. It was something to do with CND. <laughs> and it was not what I expected. You know, there was two 15-year-olds. I really should say this. But in the tent next to us was a load of lads in the 20s hot knife in opium. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was a... Actual fucking opium. <laughs> we would... I mean, we were just like, and they were, I remember them going, oh, yeah, I mean, this festival, and then you get, like, all these, like, school kids who were still, like, you know, studying for their exams. I mean, and they were like, and how old are you two? We're like, uh, 18. But, yeah, it was, we were so naive. I can't we went to, We went down, on the first day, we just went down to the front of the stage, and then I think Pale Saints were on, and who else were on? I don't know, Echo Belly, I can't remember. Yeah. We just sort of went to the front, and then... These guys, one good thing, they went, hey, we're going to go and see Raikuda. Are you going to come and see Raikuda? And we were like, yeah, yeah, we're coming to see Raikuda. And we're both like, who the fuck's Raikuda? I mean, now we know. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for introducing us. But we were, we spent a lot of time just going, don't know who any of these people are. It's not like the Glastonbury is now, is it? It was a bit more untamed and unkempt and yeah, hippie-ish, was, was, I guess, was it? Yeah, we spent a lot of time, you know, buying cider from... Being sick and oh, you know, it was we were messy, we, and then we missed the coach on the way home, and we were just we were basically because I grew up single parent family. And my mum was very trusting. I think my mum was quite independent when she was younger, so I would just say, "I'm going to do this," and she'd say, "And with Cheryl," and I'd go, "Yeah," and she'd go, "Okay," because my mum didn't didn't know what it was. I think if my dad had been at home, he'd have said, "Absolutely not on your Nelly," but. I just... <laughs> it just shows so, so much. I think something I probably wouldn't be able to achieve, that kind of... Because there has to be a big element of trust there, doesn't there? There wouldn't have been yeah. a mobile phone involved. It's not like oh, they no, could text missed... you and say, are you all right? Or do you need me to oh, come no. and pick you up? That's just like, you're done, aren't you? You know, it's just Oh, we got lost you. and missed the coach coming back. It was a nightmare. Eventually we got... I can't remember how we got back. I think it was a shambles. But I do think, because my mum did trust me in some ways... I sort of respected that as well, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, 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 because you thought you'd been bestowed with this trust, you didn't want to piss it up the wall. Yeah, and but yeah, so I just, when I think back now, but you always do that, and I look at 16-year-olds now and I go, God, if I had kids, there's no word let them go to. But because I knew, my mum didn't know, you know, this was when I said to her, Mum, did you know any hippies in the 60s? She went, not really, but I knew a man who bleached his hair blonde. <laughs> The full Ken Kesey. So she, you know, and I was like, he was oh. very exotic. She said, "Well, I lived in Horwich, Maxine, and I was pregnant <laughs> with your sister in the sixties." So you know. <laughs> Was, this is what my, you know, my parents are exactly the same in their generation. It's like they, the swinging 60s didn't happen no, in Lee. It didn't no. really happen at all. You know, there might have been one or two of the more ultra characters who had a, like a brand new Woolsey and a sort of, you know, a crushed velvet suit who would go to Rubens on a, front, on a Saturday <laughs> night, you know. 
But that was about as hippie-ish yeah. as it would get for a lot of people. We had we had real lives to get on with. We couldn't go swanning about Carnaby Street in a Ex- fucking E-time. <laughs> exactly. Great, yeah. though, that early Glastonbury experience. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's talk about our festival. Let's talk right. about Poe Fest. Who's the first act we're going to see? Well, I was thinking, at first I was going, do we want somebody to wake everybody up? Mm. And then I was thinking, because I know we both like the wedding present. Yeah. But then I did go maybe ease us into it. So I, I'm going to go for Robbie Basho. I mean, he's no longer with us. But something very gentle and while you're eating your crumpets. Tell us a bit about him, your experience with that music. Well, to be honest, it's not. It's only a recent sort of three or four years that I I think I heard him on the radio. I think I, I'm sure it was, it might have been Giles Peterson played oh, yeah. him. And then... GP. Yeah. And I was like, wow, who is this? And then did some research and there was a fantastic documentary. I can't think it was on Netflix about it. But he was a guitarist, a beautiful, I mean, really talented. And one of these guys who then ended up sort of doing basically new age, you know, sort of yeah. tapes you'd buy in a sort of new age shop. Whale noise for, when you're having a massage. Yeah, but... and It's quite new to me, you know, this, which is ridiculous because yeah, it's I've got, so I've got, my world. You'd love him. You'd love it. It's... Beautiful. So is it like mostly mellow, acoustica kind of yeah. music? Yeah, and he was sort of around at the time of the folk, but he wasn't really on the folk scene. He's got an extra... I mean, I'm not explaining it very well. There'll be fans out there going, you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I'd just Google him. Yeah. <laughs> Google, yeah, him. Google, Google, not Google. I keep saying, people say, don't say Google. It's Google, isn't it? Google him, not Google him. I keep getting bollocked for saying buzzes. I keep getting buzzes. Buzzes. It's like... <laughs> What, why? What am I saying? It's buses, Sean. Buses. Is it? What do you say, buses? I'd say bus. Uh, it's a bus. Bus. Buses. Buses. It there depends. Um, this is good. This is honestly one of the real joys of doing this podcast is that I'm an enthusiast. When I always say this. I'm an enthusiast when it comes to music. I'm not a completist at all. And I'm a, I'm a knave in a lot of ways. And so, so many times a guest will say something and lead me to a, 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 an artist that I've not listened to. Like we did one recently with Gregory Porter and he was talking about John Coltrane, who I, I know about, obviously, but he said there's this album that he did with a guy called Johnny Hartman on vocals and it's just the best thing you've ever heard. And I've not been able to stop listening to it. So Robbie wow. Basho goes yeah. on that list. Because yeah. I was just going to say, like, people might have a, a wrong impression of your your musical tastes. You know, they might think, oh, you know, you're a, a firebrand and you're an activist and, you're, you know, you're, you've got socialistic tendencies and you like post-punk and I bet you like like magazine and things like that or the fall and you wouldn't have any truck with Crosby Stills, Nash and Young. Do you know oh. what I mean? People people might think, people might have a real sort of misrepresentation of your taste. I they? like it all and I've been on every bandwagon going. <laughs> oh, I went through yeah. it all. Sixties, you know, and then I was a big, that's the first sort of thing I got into, sort of, you know, psychedelic side, mm. garage, rock. And then I went straight then off to acid jazz Pop, no, that was before. Pot will eat itself. Yeah. In fact, as I've got older, the one thing I used to say I never liked when I was younger was heavy metal. I effing love heavy metal now. Do you? Well, yeah, especially, with, you know what I mean? The darker and the heavier yeah. now, I'm like, yeah, I like a bit of doom metal. And stuff. I was doom like, metal. And, and I thought I'd never, um, I was thought, oh, it's a bit, it offends my sensibilities. But now I, I don't know. Usually as you get older, your tastes get a bit yeah. more conservative, but... There you are, sitting there listening to Norwegian death metal. <laughs> I, I definitely noticed uh, when I first, for some reason, when I first came to London, it was like I, I just went through a, a massive sort of sepultura and tool phase and all that sort of that sort of metal. I really enjoyed that for a long time. But you you, went, you had a little bit, like you said, psych and garage and stuff. There was a bit of prog going on back in the old oh, days, wasn't well, there? Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. See, Bolton, I don't know, Lee was the same. I did use, because I used to go, obviously, to Rubens and... Um, tropics. Did tropics. you look Tropics? I just was thinking, I was going, all I had in my head was a palm tree. I was going, what's it called, <laughs> palm tree? fucking hell. Because I went to tropics. Yeah. Don't so, look. it was so exotic, Tropics, wasn't it? Oh, and Lee was the place to, you know what I mean? You yeah. could fall out of Tropics, Max. And you could go straight across Railway Road into Romino's and get a 12-inch hot and spicy pizza, a bag of chips and a Pepsi for £4.99. Oh, my God. Which is what I did habitually. <laughs> and that's, that's what caused my serious weight issues. Well, that indeed. was my downfall. I used to say, as all my friends were snogging some bloke around the, up, a back street, I was in the chip shop 
getting a chip bam and yes so because Bolton had two pubs well they had more they got more than two pubs I have to get this right it was the Boar's Head which is no longer there and the Blue Boar if you went to the Boar's Head you're an indicate you was about 15 and then once you got to the age that you could you know legally drink then you went to the Blue Boar mm. which was a bit more it, it was a bit scary because there was like punks behind the bar but because Bolton is a big town but that sort of alternative scene was quite small Everybody was just thrust together. So it was yeah. like mods, you know, rockers, oh, ravers, nice. everybody. So you, I think that's where I had quite an eclectic music taste. So I was I was an indie kid. And then me and my friend Cheryl used to go, we used to hang over these two lads, one called Ian, who was really into Metallica, and Gaff. This guy Gaff. called Gaff, I've who heard of you had. About Gaff. Yeah, poor lad. He's probably like, leave me alone. I'm trying to get on with my life. Stop stalking me. <laughs> I won't go out with you. I told you at 17 and I'm telling you, please, Garth. 47 now. Look, I've got a house in my own car. Um, and he had a denim jacket and it had a done a painting of Gong's angel's egg. And I was like, because I had a bit of soft spot for me, I had long hair and a little bit, and he used to his little desert boots and he was always in double denim. And I was like, what's that? And I asked somebody, and went, oh, that's a band called Gong, Angel X. So I went to X Records yeah. and went, give me all your gong. <laughs> went home and listened to it and went, oh, my God, this is amazing. Oh, oh my gong, this is amazing. So that's sort of my first, probably about 16, foray into prog. proggy. And it was very psychedelic. And, you know, we grew up in a semi-rural you know, when you've not got a lot of money, around about autumn time, it's <laughs> <laughs> the woods and fields around Bolton. It really annoys me sometimes. So it's like um, talking to people of my age from where we live who who discovered ecstasy in the Hacienda, and I always say we never did. We were such a crap microcosm, our mates in Lee, that the strongest thing we ever got off our tits on was like Holston pills. But we never thought to go looking on cow pats in you, fields. You were literally just up the road. But because Bolton is so, and you've got Rivington. In fact, it was, I'm completely going off tangent. I love but it. The other day I was talking, there's these two brilliant writers called the Clarkson Twins and they're from Bolton and the brothers and they've just written this new series for BBC Three, I think it's Netflix, called Red Rose. Anyway, I got introduced to them and went for a wander at Rivington, but we were talking, because I was like, oh, Bolton, you know, it's all right, blah, blah, blah. And they completely, after this hike at Rivington, completely transformed my view about my hometown and how they were like, it's an amazing place. And actually, it's quite magical and quite mystical, but a lot of it is said by people quite eccentric from Bolton is to do with a lot of the sort of um, psychedelics that are growing. And I thought, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. So what you're saying I'm not saying us. everybody in Bolton's off the nut on magic mushrooms. <laughs> but there's something, yeah, without getting all hippie, because I've started getting a little bit more hippie in my old age as well. You I know, love but. it. I, I, I agree. I mean, almost what you're saying is that there's a bit of a lineage of it and that it, Bolton is in some ways a little bit like uh, Pilton or Glastonbury. You know, exactly. it, there's, a li- there's a little bit of a ley line thing going on there. In fact, screw Pomona Doctor moving it right, okay. <laughs> to Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're moving it to Bolton. Bofest. That's it. Bofest. Oh, going, Bo going to Bolton halfway <laughs> halfway through Robbie Basho's set. He's going, what the fuck's going on here? Where are you all going? <laughs> going to Bolton, mate. We'll see you at the Magic Mushrooms. Fantastic. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Do stop me talking. Oh, no, that is just so cool. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I guess we should look at, at the next set, really. I want to quickly touch on 
this bit of information. I, I read a while back that you were co-writing a musical. Is that I, still happening? Is that on ice? I don't it, mean, is it, it on ice? No. Uh, <laughs> Maxine Peake on ice, would, I would go and watch that. Uh, maybe that's something your agent should consider. But... What, what's happening with it? So we just, um, so yes, it's all happening. Next Christmas at the Royal Exchange, the next Christmas show at Manchester, so uh, 2022, Cyril Davis, an amazing writer and performer, and myself, and he's a brilliant composer as well, uh, we're co-writing, it's called Betty, a sort of musical, <laughs> and it's um, a homage to Betty Boothroyd. So it's about a group of Amateur players in Dewsbury who decide they want to celebrate somebody local and come upon the idea of Betty Boothroyd. <laughs> and it's about, it's basically about them exploring themselves, but what Betty means to them, the old school MP versus <laughs> the shower shy we've got there. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I couldn't possibly, uh, couldn't possibly agree with the uh, statement because they seem like such towering moral figures. Uh, uh, it's great that I don't work at the fucking BBC yeah, anymore. Well, I can say, I can, can say that I agree with you. They you are know, a shower show. Well, yeah. So it's you know, was well, parliamentary democracy? I mean, what is it? Has it run its course? What's the future for it? I mean, but it's just bit, first and foremost, we just want everyone to have a good fun that out and celebrate a really brilliant woman, you know, so. Well, there's, there's a lot of this in your work, it feels like to me, as an, an exploration of female roles in society. Betty Boothroyd, I don't know that much about Betty, but he says just clambering through his fucked cortex. <laughs> but she was a bit of um, a pioneer as a, as a female MP, wasn't she? Well, yeah, um, the first lady speaker, and she, you know, she, working class you know, young woman from Dewsbury who yeah. went to London for a couple of months to try a hand at being a tiller girl. That didn't work out. She came home and then she, you know, her parents were always members of the Labour Party. I mean, she wasn't, I don't think she'd ever call herself a socialist as such, but you know what I mean? She was for fairness and justice. Yeah. And and then she followed this, you know, a career path through to then become the Speaker of the House. And it's about, you know, finding your, the, what we're about is finding your voice, but also... It's about a group of women who don't all agree, who are not all from the same place politically, but how actually they find ways of getting on. And it's a bit, trying to reflect what's happening today, just a bit like, let's have some conversations before we all start yeah. sort of attacking each other and what we do have in common. And, you know, there's got to be more debate and it's about communication and finding your voice and like, what you do with that. That seems like a real thread in your work, that exploration of of that unfairness. Yeah. How are you doing out there? Are you ready for the next act of the day? People, make some noise! And we must go then to the next act. We've got we've had a lovely sort of mellow start with Robbie, who was very gracious about us moving to Bolton halfway through his set. He's, who have yeah. we got on next? Well, I thought we'd have a bit of comedy next. Great. And I just thought we'd because we've moved to Bolton as well. Sophie Willen, if she'd oh, come and do. Oh man, she's something else. Oh, she just I so love th that woman. All I know is is that I I came to uh, Alma's Not Normal. Only two months ago, watched it in about a night. Well, I don't know that much about her, actually. She, a kid who was, I think, in care when she yeah. was younger and has been through all kinds of painful experiences, but has sort of transformed it into this incredible piece of art. And yeah. now she's a BAFTA winner, and it just yeah. seems like such an unbelievable journey, doesn't it? Well, it's brilliant. and it, I mean, I met, I was very fortunate. Uh, actually, it was a producer who introduced us probably about, again, probably about three years ago, um, and said, oh, do you know of Sophie Willen? And I said, no, she goes, she's from Bolton, you know, obviously, because Bolton's so small, we all know each other. <laughs> no, I'm being We've seen you in the blue boar at some yeah. point, probably. She's quite a bit younger than me. <laughs> she, be, you know what I mean? she might have been a baby in arms. Yeah. But um, anyway, so uh, we had, they put together for a meeting about possibly doing something. And then Sophie's like, oh, I'm doing this, I've got this project, Alma's Not Normal. And she's so sort of understated about it. And I just... Met her and, and from meeting her, I then got on to a stand up and I was like, oh my God, this woman's amazing. 
so we sort of become pals, you know, but she's very busy at the moment. And then I just love, and it's not just because she's, you know, I, I class her as a pal. She's probably, you know, she does listen to it. I'm not saying she won't be listening. I'm called she listens to this. <laughs> I've invited her on. <laughs> Screaming, going, you're not my no friend of mine. Um, <laughs> yeah, Gaff will be with her going, fuck you know. Yeah. Leave us with, the, with the restraint, both of them restraining us. <laughs> There won't just be two of them in that. <laughs> uh, um, anyway, um, but I just, I love her observation, her humour, and the fact that she's flipped, as, you know, not flipped, because what does that mean? But she's taken those real-life experiences and brought so much joy to them, but and it, it's educational as well. Yeah. I just think what's well, such a strong, to educate people and inform people through humour. Yeah about different experiences and just some of the messages through it, you know what I mean? About these three women of a generation of, from, you know, and what poverty and does, yeah. what, yeah. And, and there's nobody's the villain of the piece. Everyone's complex and complicated and just trying to get through life, which is effing hard, you know what I mean? It's, it, you've nail on the head. Like my mate Katie was talking to me about it. Funnily enough, yesterday and talking about, I think it's Jade Adams who oh, is also a phenomenal comedian who plays yeah. her best friend. And 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 the idea apparently Sophie, when she was taking the idea to execs and to commissioners and gatekeepers, they were like, "Why the fuck would anybody want to watch something about some female heroin addicts or people who are sex workers? It's just bollocks. It's not going to sell." And that—that's the thing that's frustrating, isn't it? Oh. We still have these gatekeepers who are—you have to fight through to get something made. Exactly, and you get it a lot. I mean, I'm always trying to pitch stuff, and I, <laughs> I had a few like deals with production companies, like where they go, "Okay, you come to us and." But everything I had, they were like, oh, well, it's not really mainstream. I was like, oh, so sorry. So you want, okay, you want a BBC yeah. one, nine o'clock cop drama. Right, just be straight with me. Yeah. But that's not what I wanted to do. You, you know, know what, what I mean? Should, you, what, but, you actually, what we're really looking for at the moment, Max, is um, she uh, has to be uh, sort of like, a, I don't know, like a forensic uh, doctor or something like that. She uh, lives in a nine million pound house that looks really beautiful on camera. And then her husband mysteriously dies. Yeah. Uh, we want that kind of that's the kind of thing that we want uh, we want it working but, out of a four part but it's right because the gate keeps it's, it's until you get of course representation on screen you know we've got a long way to go yeah. I, this, it's going somewhere now and I think we're getting better but until the gatekeepers start to I keep saying hand over the keys <laughs> yeah it's true we've though. got to hand over the keys now and go okay or at least go get a new get another set of keys made <laughs> Go to different communities. See what the North's really like. How diverse the North is. You know what I mean? If I see one more Northern drama that's basically all white, I'm, yeah. I'm going to go and take myself out to the shed. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not representational of... But if till the people who give the money represent... Because their stories don't mean anything to them. They'll be like, oh, why, why, why would you? Because they yeah. don't understand. Because they don't know the reality of it. It's the same in whatever it is, whether it's journalism or if it's te a tech company or if it's uh, what you know, whatever a financial institution. Until that boardroom is is properly representative of everybody exactly in that country, in that in the in the on the planet, then we're a bit screwed, aren't we? You know, we're still going to get these old narratives and these old scripts. And if we're not, if the gatekeepers aren't going to give us a set of the keys, we're going to bash the back doors in. <laughs> but that's what you know. You look at people like you know what's been the more explosive dramas and those are the ones that people have I'm not saying taking a risk because they're brilliant but look at I May Destroy You look at yeah. Alma's Not Normal these two amazing women and then you go well they've been huge successes because they're genuine they're honest they're about what Britain's is about today Incidentally you've given me another gift because I haven't seen Sophie stand up Oh So this is just another Please thing Please that... watch Yeah because that's the thing as well she's a brilliant actress I mean, come on, look at what Bolton's turned out. We're all a little bit bonkers. And I think there is something, I don't know what, like I say, it's probably the magic mushrooms have seeped into <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, water, it's the water supply. <laughs> it's like it's like everybody in Bolton's microdosing and they don't know it. <laughs> isn't it? They're all like just a little bit off 40 degrees, you know. It's, but it's like you say, it's not quite Hebden. They've not quite got the patchwork yeah. pants, but they get, you know, Hebden or Todd's, but there is a... There's some ley lines yeah. or some weird shit going there. Some ley line shit. That's just another, that's the next project is uh, Maxine and Sean look for the, the Lancashire ley lines. Hey, I'd be up for that. I think so. Oh, um, yeah. Max. Writing that down, writing that down. Lancashire, Lancashire ley lines. Lancashire ley lines with Sean and Max. It, you think in, in 2025, Glastonbury could end up coming from Bolton. It could, it, but this could be it. Pomona Docks could be the new Glastonbury. <laughs> 
Which brings us on actually to the next. The, the <laughs> this is a sort of lull part now. We've we've had some lovely comedy from Sophie. Uh, we probably should think about having a bit of lunch. Yeah. We might have dealt with that already. We might just have uh, crumpets with something else on. A pasty um, balm. Okay. Or a slurper. Was it a slurper? I'll, I'll have a slurper. You can have a pasty balm. Yeah. Food and, and music are the, the things that tap you into childhood, I think. Like, yeah. Was your granddad a, a big music fan? Because he was kind of your hero, you, your granddad, it's fair to say, isn't it? Well, it to be honest, the record collection was Nana Muscuri. He had some Paul Robson mm, and yeah. he had an album of Roger Casement and uh, the Easter Uprising. But his favourite ever song was Leader of the Pack. Leader of the Pack? He loved Leader of the Pack. That's Triangle a bit Lars. left field, isn't it? I know, he had it on seven inch. He had it. <laughs> How sweet is that? And that was his favourite. But then this was, the, he was he was quite, yeah, his favourite TV, he used to go, I love that gimme, gimme, gimme. You know, he was about 79 watching gimme, gimme, gimme. He loved it. He always had the radio on all day, radio four all day. He used to get a bit annoyed because he used to say, do they know working class people listen to this? <laughs> I hope somebody from Radio 4 is listening to this right now because if there are any slots coming up, me and Maxine... Exactly. We're very northern, you know. Lanc- Lancashire ley lines on Radio 4. <laughs> it's got to happen, hasn't it? Um, so, okay, spot three. What are we going to do here? I think I, I think Aphrodite's child. Whoa. I've done that noise again. I, I promised <laughs> myself I wouldn't do the noise. Whoa. Oh. What the fuck's that? Aphrodite's <laughs> child. Hang on. Yeah. Let me remember this. It's sort of um the, you know the four Greek horsemen. funk prog. Yeah. Uh, uh, Demis you know, Roussos. Demis Roussos before he became the house yeah. price favourite. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In his big caftan. Yeah. <laughs> big caftan, yeah. Demis. Yeah, actually, there's a there's a connection to Nana Muscuri almost here, isn't there? She was of the course, end of, it. of course they were, yeah. Yeah. So what, what was was that something else that you were introduced to in one of uh, in the some no. of the blue bar or what? No, that was Adrian Flanagan from the Eccentronic Research Council and International Teachers of Pop Fame. When I started oh, yeah. hanging out with those crazy cats, I was telling him about the music I liked, and he said, "Oh well, you obviously like Aphrodite's Child." And I went, "Who?" And then I listened to it and went, "Oh my God, where where, where have I been? What have I been? How have I missed this?" Why wasn't I listening to this at 16? But anyway. That's so. a bit magic mushroom as well, isn't it? I, I imagine. I love a bit of psych. I'd look, you know, if I had my way, I'd just live in a psychedelic world. Yeah. This, you know. I completely agree. I, I, I am just... I am becoming just more and more an old hippie all the time. I just want, yeah. I just want my feet in a stream and, uh, you know, my hands on the grass and I want to be looking at something... Looking at a cow, maybe even, you know. Well, you were talking about musical projects that you've been involved in as well. One of the last times, I I was at Glastonbury 19, and speaking of the killers, Johnny Marr sauntered Ah, on and played with them. You've recorded with Johnny, of course, the priest. I know. Can you believe that? I can't believe just I've recorded with Johnny Marr. Yeah, I have. The nicest man in show business, apart from your good self. Thank you. But he just seems to genuinely, genuinely care about it. People and he's and a he's bit of a guru to me, Johnny. Yeah. I, I sometimes go to people like Johnny for it's a bit like Sermon on the Mount. I might get might manage to grab a cup of coffee with him and and, and have a chat. And there's always a little. It's not it's not for this purpose, but that a little something, some wisdom will come out yeah. that will help me in yeah. my life. No, definitely. And if you're feeling sometimes when I'm feeling a bit like oh something's got a bit wrong, you speak to Johnny and you, you just go, it's all right. So I've spoke to Johnny about, you know, it's going to be all right. Yeah. You know, and there's Johnny and then there's Ange as well. It's Mrs. You know, the two of them, Ange's, you know, I, I think she's a she's such a big influence on him yeah. as well. You know, the two of them are just, they're extraordinary. One, two. Okay, Aphrodite's Child is, I'm very much looking forward to that. One of those like late afternoon moments. But we do have to think about the sunset moment now. This is the next band that are going to come on. Well, I have to go. I've got Velvet Underground. Oh, done it again with that noise. Stop it. Yeah. Which Just which version of it? Early sort of ver- I think, you know what I mean? Yeah. Classic Lou Classic, and John and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I think we've got to go early. Boots of shiny leather. I always get that bit wrong. Because <laughs> the Velvet Underground, of course, famous for more than anything else of being very, very influential. That's almost the thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's like the Sex Pistols. It's like if I guess if you racked up the the, the combined sales 
of, of the Sex Pistols albums and the Velvet Underground albums, they probably wouldn't be come up to like a fifth of the, of Coldplay's, but they've been extremely influential, haven't they? Yes, yes. And I just think if there's any band that I'd wanted to have seen live, you know, if I had hands on heart. And just the fact, you know, and obviously the Nico connection, I did, you know, I'm sort of always been sort of fascinated with Nico and... and I, I've only just bought John Cooper Clark's autobiography, which... Yeah, uh, well, they were, you know... They lived together, didn't yeah. they? I think he he was See, in love with her a bit, I think, wasn't he? I, I think, and it, she, well, she's just a... I mean, complex and complicated woman. And, you know, obviously, you know, some stories about her are very sort of problematic, but I just sort of got... She just... How she navigated... I mean, I'm still fascinated. I got a woman that was was a model, worked with Fellini, then ended up riding a bike around Manchester, basically because the heroin was cheap. And, you know, Alan Wise got some digs in Presswich. You sort of go, how this story... And I think she's so unknowable in a way. I mean, yeah. I did a thing at Manchester International Festival called the Nico Project. And one thing, when we started researching it, we went, don't even try and, ex- you know, we're not going to do a biop of Nico. It was more about, you know, wrestling her back a bit for... Because it's. I think she's seen very through a very male gaze. But that whole period, I just think, can you imagine being around then, hanging out in the factory and all those people and that madness and... Creativity. And- There's so much to go at there, really, with the Velvets and, and a lovely choice. And you mentioned Nico and, and the Nico project and stuff. I just want to quickly touch on that biopic style of thing that sometimes happens that the actors get involved in. And you've done some amazing pieces of work, Three Girls and See No Evil and stuff like that. Is it true you, I'd read that you were going to play Anne Williams? Yeah, I've done it. It's coming yeah. out soon. Oh, next, great. Okay. Early next year. It started trailing it on um, ITV. Oh, right, okay. So, so that's, only that, because that's all Food the said the other day it's on during Coronation Street, I was like, oh, I'll watch. Oh, so I sat and watched, it's so vain. <laughs> oh, I must see what it looks like. I watched, sat and watched Coronation Street. I've not seen Coronation Street for years. Ashley. Oh, Uncle Fred. Oh, Percy. Get off me, woman. <laughs> I mean, I've got, I've got, I've got oh, loads of that. Oh, Percy. Phyllis, wasn't Phyllis it? Phyllis Pierce, yeah. Oh. oh, come over here. It was, <laughs> I've just finished my blue rinse. Get me a bottle of brown ale. <laughs> Get off me, woman. Um, I'm I'm wasted in podcasting. Oh, really. brilliant! Can you do like a I do a medley? As if Combination Street never evolved from the yeah. characters. Can you carry? exactly just take it back to 1989? <laughs> I want to see Alan Bradley before he gets hit by the tram. That's my era. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I was going to say about about what it's like. Do you see our dramas like that? A way of pushing sometimes forgotten political issues back to the middle of the table, like. There was that very powerful one about Windrush, only last year, yeah. I think. Oh, we must never forget our history. You know, I'm a trustee at the Working Class Movement Library in Salford, and I'm very sort of obsessed, you know, you learn from your past to move forward. You know, you've got to, we've constantly got to remind ourselves of past struggles and what's happened. And I do think, you know, these dramas, again, highlight, put people, let's say, put people at the forefront, tell stories that maybe people don't know about or forgotten. But I think as well, there is a point where, as well, we've got to start, we've got to make more contemporary dramas about really yeah. what's happening. That, that box, I keep saying little box, but they're not anymore, are they? They're huge big things on people's fireplaces. Yeah. You know, it's really powerful of getting, getting stories across. across. Three yeah. girls, I mean... I've never had so many people stop me in the street about three girls because they wanted to talk about the reaction they had to it and how it changed their attitude to things. You know, going, oh, I always thought, yeah, those girls are just like a bit tarty. Or, and you go, of course, the kids, the kids yeah. out there never... Th- and you just go, brilliant. So you get to explain a, a, what what is a, maybe a complex story that lives on the page of a newspaper and you get to bring it to life. And at the end of the day, I'm just an actor in it. I was lucky enough to be part of it. You know, I didn't... Nicole Taylor did the amazing script, Philip Lothorpe directed it. They did all the hard work. But if you can, in some way, be part of the, you know, cog in that, yeah. it's really exciting. And that's why I started writing as well, because I want to... I mean, obviously, one of our priorities is the, the Lancashire Airlines, but that aside, what, <laughs> what, what what is the thing that you're writing at this moment that you're excited about? The musical that I'm doing next year, That's we start workshopping it early next year, so I've got to get another draft of that done. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. Yeah. I've got a few things, a historic piece, yeah. but the writing and for television that would very much 
mirror issues today with with the right to roam so yeah. that's something oh, really okay. but again it's very early days it might but how all that links up and environmentalism and the police bill and you know mm. we think it's just a, trying to kibosh protesting but yeah. the ripples go further than that we're back to the what was it the criminal justice bill was it yeah in the, back yeah. in the 90s and it, that was the same around the time of the ravers wasn't it it was like we've yeah, got to well, calm down on this shit we've got to stop it, people gathering Oh, we look forward to seeing how that flowers. It sounds like a really interesting idea to, mm. to pursue. So this is it. Just before we get to the final people on the bill, uh, I just want to quickly mention Victoria Wood. Uh, Twinkle, Dinner Ladies, obvious thing to, to mention. I think that it was your first rollout of drama school. Yes, it was, Twinkle, yeah. It's like the Beatles to me. I, uh, I'm very boring about the Beatles, but they, I consider them almost like the uncles that I haven't met. And I felt like that about Victoria. There's some kinship. Just tell us a, a little bit about Victoria, a little bit about maybe what she left in you as a person, what she makes you feel when you think about her. I mean, she was a huge inspiration before I'd ever even met her. You, you know, for me, watching her growing up, was like, I want to be like that. I thought, you know, in some ways, I was like, she looks a little bit like me. I don't want to insult her memory, <laughs> you know, but she sounds a bit, and she was funny, and I just thought, oh, she's a bit tomboyish, and she's northern, and she's funny and brilliant, and not that I thought, but I thought, maybe I could try and be like that. It gave me a route into... You, need to, you I, need to see, well, that's what we're talking about, representation, we isn't it? Need to, that's what, exactly, if you can't see yourself, how can you be it? How can yeah. you dream or how can you reach to it? And that's where we've got some, a lot of work to do yeah. about representation still on, on screen and people. You realise how privileged we yeah. have been to Absolutely. basically watch most things and people look like us yeah. and how that must affect you. Uh, yeah, anyway, it's a big conversation, sorry. But but she, um, yeah, she had a massive a massive influence on me then and then working with her. But I think for me, moving on from working with this, just always that, just have a go. I mean, I'm sure, you know, she didn't just have a go. I mean, she was a genius and I'd, I don't say that lightly. She was. You know, but it was that being a bit self-sufficient as well. She did it all on her own, you know, nobody gifted at that yeah. she worked hard she created all her own series you know from comedy to housewife 40 i always get this wrong housewife 40 oh yeah 41 yeah 43 maybe <laughs> <laughs> i was getting that wrong as well the drama you know yeah and her work ethic she was a perfectionist which i'm not quite i've not got quite that no, i haven't got that skill i'm a bit i'm at heart lazy i have to say this and people go oh no you're not I said, no i am it's quite. That's, it's hard work for me to do hard work. If you know, I, I, yeah. Everybody has to know about it. If I'm working hard, it's like, oh fucking hell. Oh, just, I've got three things on this. I've got three things on this afternoon. <laughs> like the first time you met her was, was that a daunting or oh, God, experience yeah. or a pleasurable experience? It was really daunting because I remember get, I was still at drama school and I got a call saying you've got this audition and I didn't even think about getting the job. I just thought, oh my god, I'm going to meet Victoria Wood. I don't know what I was thinking. And I think I went into the rooms of Victoria Wood, Celia Imray, Anne Reid, Thelma Barlow, Duncan Preston were all in this room and I had to read with them. And I was like, oh my God, this is... And one thing she said to me, she said, don't northern it up. And I uh. went, sorry. She went, you're northern enough. She said, people coming here who are northern. Oh, and then... And then they, they, she said, but then they put even... So you can't get more. <laughs> but it's really funny because when she, when she left us, I was... Still remember, you know, name dropping now, but on Good Pals with Diane Morgan, we've known yeah, each other since Diane, we yeah. were, you know, we were little. Used to sit in the blue bar in. Did you, she drink. used to do that as well, did she? We used to drink pints of cider and pretend we were with Neil and I, hell. with Neil and Marwood. I could have a, been in that pub. I was only oh, fucking eight miles away on the bus. I know. Me and I just sat like a pair of geeks, obsessing over acting, just being really boring. No, we used to talk to anybody else. We were too shy, you know. Anyway, so I remember ringing Diane. After, you know, when we heard the news and just both, you know, both had a cry down the phone, but because she meant so much because it influenced where we are yeah. today, what what the stuff that we love, why we're both doing what we were doing. Yeah. I think she's had such a massive impact on, and I don't think you ever realise, she'll never, probably never realise in her lifetime how yeah. many people she's inspired. But as a fan, I get upset more as a fan than yeah. even somebody who knew her. I just sort of go, oh God, she's, she's, She's not here and there's so much more she had to give. We, we sort of need her now more than ever. It gets passed down. You speak to people now, youngsters who say, oh, I watched the ladies with my mum or my, you said the grand now. They go, oh, my grand loves you. Yeah. Like, 
Can you sign like, this for me, Grandad? <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah, that. she's, yeah. But That's I do, a beautiful thing. Yeah. And like I say, Markham and Rise. Every Christmas I watch Markham and Rise and I cry because I always go, why didn't I go into comedy? <laughs> well, you've done a fair bit of that. <laughs> I really wanted to be a comedian. Leave it to me. I've got a, I'm working on a script. Comedy layline. <laughs> Leave it to me. What you so you heard it here first. But Give me no, eight months. Brilliant. Well, we've we've got to, I mean, people are getting really like cold actually now because it's night time. They've had such a wonderful experience. But who is the, the headliner going to be? It's gonna be Grace Jones. Keep doing the noise. <laughs> Tell us what why you've put her as... Oh, well, because I just... I have to say, she's up there with Bowie for me as somebody who's a complete innovator and shapeshifter and who's just kept current. Just extraordinary. And I must admit, I've only ever seen her live once and it was at a number six festival. And, <sighs> oh, my goodness, I was blown away. Absolutely blown away. I, I, I never buy band T-shirts, but I went straight away. I need to get a Grace Jones T-shirt. But I just, yeah, I've always been a huge fan. And I just, I don't mean she's, of course she's not underrated. She's Grace Jones, but I still think she should, if she was a man, she'd be shouting more yeah. about her innovation as a musician. She is, you're right, because it's like, oh, I'm going to get it all wrong now, but she sort of started out as a model, didn't she? I think, back in the 70s. And obviously moved into, I guess, because she's just one of the most strikingly... Oh, she's the most beautiful yeah. woman I've ever seen. See her on Russell Harty and shit like that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like these two worlds colliding and her having none of it whatsoever, just being like, this is me. And if it makes you feel weird, then you need to have a strong look at yourself. But musically, just an absolute pioneer, isn't she? Oh, and you listen to her stuff now and it's so... It still feels so current. And it's still exciting and it's still, yeah, I just, I mean, I was, I was umming and ahhing at first. I was going to go, oh, the cramps, but I thought. What we could, what we could do is we could have, the cramps could just come on for a couple of numbers. Yeah. Uh, maybe I they could jam they with could... the Velvets because they probably have a similar sensibility, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was Joy Crooks, actually, the wonderful uh, recording artist Joy Crooks, who on one of our first lineups chose Grace Jones. Ah. It comes back to me now. I didn't get a text did, did... with it written on. Well, I mean, it just feels like the perfect way to end the perfect day, really, to have Grace Jones close the yeah. stage. I mean, maybe I, I always like the idea of a of a jam at some se at some section yeah. of the, the evening. You know, well, I have got you know I have got here as well, and I'm sorry I keep adding in is Shaq. Oh, I got into Shaq with HMS Fable. That was the sort oh. of almost like a pop breakthrough album, wasn't it? There's so many beautiful... Oh, they're just I, a great Liverpudlian band, aren't they? Michael Head and stuff. I, re I remember going to see in the concert and I think I cried all the... I'm sorry, I'm very emotional, but I remember sobbing all the way through it because it was so beautiful. I can't remember, it was years ago seeing him in, in Manchester. and But I remember going to the same, same experience. I remember uh, Elbow played at the Cathedral of Manchester and I got some tickets and I remember having to go to the side because I was like, this is... I'm, very emotional, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I was at the side with about seven other people all sort of quietly weeping, going, I don't know, I'm crying. No, I don't know, I'm crying either. It's very emotional. I love the idea of an elbow concert, <laughs> that there's that, that bit at the front where people get dragged in after the mosh, but it's just, instead of like full of people who've been hurt by, by the moshing, it's just people crying. Come on, come here, I'll give you a glass of water and then you can get back in when you stop crying. Yeah. And Guy Garvey will give you a hug as you say, come Ooh, here, come here. You? Come here. <laughs> Let me give you a hug. Yeah. We had Shappy Sandy on, we talked about this exact thing about her elbow reintroduced her to music when she'd had her heart broken in a terrible way and she couldn't listen to music for a long time and Elbow's music was the sort of salve oh, that brought it all yeah. back, you know. So you're not on your own there. No. There's probably a side tent with some chat going on, a bit of elbow that we, yeah. we, we'll all go to later. Yeah, and I thought maybe I was thinking like maybe, you know, if we've had Sophie doing stand-up, I'd like maybe a little poetry tent with like Jackie Kay in maybe yeah. doing a bit yeah. of poetry for us. That would be... She's and I'll tell brilliant. you, else has turned up because Nico's there, John Cooper Clark. Of course. So he's so going to do a bit the, as well. The barber Salford, you yeah. know, keep it. He's and you know, and it, you know, I put in there, he's no longer with us from Bolton, he's Horvis Presley. Do you oh. remember Horvis Presley? I used to love him. Uh, I just oh. remember Whitby Houston. I, I, I just remember some of his little punchlines. He was a, he was a oh, bit of a genius. Oh, that one hygiene, tarpot. You know, it was just those beautiful. I've got his poetic off license, and 
used to be able to buy it in Sweeten's Bookshop in Bolton and it was oh. always on the front desk. And I remember getting it for Christmas presents. That's great. You've just given yeah. me some more inspiration for this yeah. year's Christmas presents as well. I do, I did a swap name dropping there with, the, with film star Sally Hawkins. Oh, we did a swap I, when we were at drama school together before she was big film sponsor. I give a Horace Presley and she, women of the world, take over. Ivor Cutler. Ivor Cutler. She introduced me to Ivor Cutler and uh, we it's- did a swap. It's beautiful. It's a bit of acoustica, a bit of poetry. Uh, the perfect way to close the day on Pomona Dock, uh, yeah. which will eventually become the new Glastonbury with the luxury lines. Yeah. We might just finish off with a couple more crumpets. I'm a just going to. A bit gonna... of cider, a bit of scrumpet. Okay. From the Man and Scythe in Bolton, they yeah. do a great scrumpy cider. You know, we, we'll have to get our. Um, uh, in homage to Sophie Willem, we'll have to get our pasties from Ye Old Pasty Shop in yeah. Bolton. Oh, well. yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> lovely bit, that. Yeah. Oh, Ye Old Pasty Pasties. It's been so great to chat to you. Um, oh, Maxine. you too. Thank you. Sorry I've witted on. As long as it's supposed to be. That's the whole point. Um, I mean, you've, you've maxed out the, the, the hard drive on my, on my laptop. But, I mean, apart from <laughs> the smoke coming out of it now. <laughs> It's so gorgeous to speak to you. Um, good luck with everything. We can't you wait to too. see. Um, and the Betty Boothroyd sort of musical 22 sounds amazing. We can't wait to see that. Um, but in the meantime, thank you for an amazing lineup, Maxine P. Thank you. Thank you.